Studios of WORQ in Wisconsin. This is the Stand Up for the Truth podcast. Today's issues, overlooked headlines, and biblical observations, equipping the remnant around the globe. Got your sword handy? This is Stand Up for the Truth. 9 a.m. in Northeast Wisconsin, Friday edition, July 21 of Stand Up for the Truth. I'm Crash. Connell pushing all the buttons here. And if you like apologetics, you're going to love today's broadcast. My name is Mary Danielson, and we have Juan Valdez with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. It's an absolute privilege to be here for another day to love and serve our King. It's imperative that we make the most of the time he's given us. And since his mercies are new every morning, we can start afresh and see what God would have us do today and leaning on him for the outcome. I'm going to start with a Bible verse. As always, this week I've been looking at Romans 12. My passage for Tuesday was verses 9 to 13, but today I'm just going to back up a little bit, read Romans 12, 1 and 2, which says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Let's seek the Lord before we start. Heavenly Father, as we see the day approaching, we see those around us being transformed by the world. And we need you more than ever to cleanse our hearts and our minds and show us those ways that our thinking does not line up with yours. Help us to be sensitive to what your Spirit is showing us so that we can walk uprightly in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation and be pleasing to you in thought, word, and deed. We pray for our guest today that you would bless his ministry, all those in that ministry, give him endurance, protect him, uh, those in his family circle and his uh, sphere of influence, protect his congregation and his health. Thank you ahead of time for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said, my guest today is Juan Valdez of Reasons for Hope Ministry, and that's R4H.com, and it's R-F-O-R-H, not a number, R-F-O-R-H.com. Uh, welcome to the podcast today, Juan. I'm so excited to be with you guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, just an amazing opportunity to, to share what God has, has been doing with us and our ministry, and we're really excited well, what a diverse ministry it is, and I love it. So before we get to your book called How to Think, that's our subject matter today, tell us a little bit about Reasons for Hope, what kinds of resources are available, particularly for youth, you know, equipping this younger generation to know the what and why of their beliefs. Tell us a little bit about what they're going to find at r4h.com and an app. You have an app, too, so fill us in on all that. Yeah, well, uh, Mary, God has been doing such amazing things with Reasons for Hope. Uh, the doors that are opening are so amazing. You know, we have we have different facets of our ministry, uh, but all of it is geared uh, primarily to equipping the next generation to stand up boldly for the truth, uh, and also equipping parents to be the heroes for their kids, mm -hmm. to be the ones to be able to answer their kids' questions and be. Parents are on the front line, so we we focus both on the parents and on the youth. This summer alone, we've done you know by the end of the summer, which isn't over yet. We would have done, our team would have done over 20 camps this summer mm. uh, with, with youth all over the country. Wow. Uh, and, and we have, you know, God is just blessing us. Carl Kirby, 
uh, our our president mm-hmm. and, uh, and CEO. He's a phenomenal man of God. God uses him so tremendously. I've had the honor of working with him for the last uh, over ten years now, and and I mean God is just, just God is showing up and doing some amazing things. We we've launched our debunked ministries uh, a few years ago, and it is just taking off. We have debunked videos. We have the debunked uh, files, which we're live streaming uh, twice you know, twice a month. Uh, talk talking about the hard, harsh issues that, that our culture is facing, uh, controversial topics, uh, the app. Oh, my goodness. We have more material on, the, on, the, on our app than I know of any other app that, that does what we do. Uh, full-length talks, short talks. We have devotions for kids. Parents can take their kids to the app and put on a, a devotional program where Dan Lisa, a super talented member of our team who's a cartoonist, shows the kids how to draw and does a Bible study with them while they're learning how to draw. It's a phenomenal tool. We have uh, PDF booklets and resources. You name it, the, the mm. app is just, and we're always adding more and more content. Mm. It's a free download, and it's just a parent and a young person's resources, all, all in their hands. Wow. Our debunked videos are all there. Uh, like, what can I tell you? We have a tremendous homeschool curriculum. We've developed and we're promoting it, and and, and it's doing really well, uh, and, and that that is is just taking off. It's just there's so many things God is doing. I'm wow. super excited to be a part of it. Wow, it's just great to see all these things out there, these resources in a world full of media. I mean, how do you choose? But it's great to see all these resources. Debunk.org, also uh, get debunked on YouTube. Uh, I watched some of them; they're wonderful. Um, I'm so glad you have the app because that's, uh, that's a big deal. You guys have been really, really busy. And Carl Kirby will be with us live in October here in the studio. So we're looking forward to that too. And we're getting a real good idea of, uh, uh, you know, what your ministry is all about. And we're really thankful for you guys. Amen. Amen. We're just blessed to be able to do what we do. Great. Super, super. All right. Um, your book, How to Think, a Crash Course in Critical Thinking, was recently updated in April, right? And and by just the title alone, I know that this is a book that could speak to the church today. I mean, a lot of people don't even take a Bible to church anymore, which gives the impression from the pastor, top down, that it's not important to know the Bible. Of course, we know that's not true. Uh, I also want to add, too, about our guest here. You have 20 years of experience providing instruction in critical thinking and introductory courses in philosophy. Philosophy. You've taught theology, uh, the Bible, and apologetics at the seminary level in both English and Spanish. You currently pastor a congregation in Miami. Um, Juan, I can only hope to critically think my way in English, but what's it like to be able to be a bilingual critical thinker? I mean, point and match goes to you on that one. <laughs> oh, man, let me tell you, it, there is such a demand for apologetics in Spanish, and mm. hardly anyone is doing it. Mm. it. It's a very sad situation. I mean, for every, uh, that I know of, engaged in full-time apologetics ministry in Spanish, there's maybe half a dozen people right now mm. for Latin oh, America. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's non-existent. Mm. But there hasn't been a need up until recently. Okay. So it's a fairly new field because most of Latin America is traditionally Catholic. Right. And well, Catholics are not atheists, and, and, mm-hmm. and Catholics, you know, have some concept of a Bible, and and so it, there really hasn't been that big of a need for it. Uh, but what what has happened, what has changed, is that a lot of the professors in Latin America 
the, the older generation, they're retiring. Hmm. And the new professors are being trained here in the States and in Europe. So these new professors are humanists, atheists, skeptics, and they're bringing all of that back to their universities Ooh. all over Central and South America. Wow. And what we're seeing now is what, what we saw in the States maybe 30 years ago. We're seeing all of these um, young people now being challenged in their faith, and, 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 and some are walking away. Mm-hmm. And so now the pastors are scrambling, wait a minute, what's happening? What's going on? Uh, and so the need is urgent. I, I could literally live in Latin America one place to the next every year without ever coming home. That's how much wow. of a workload there is. Wow. Obviously, I can't do that. Yeah. So we've taken some initiative on training uh, the next generation of, of Spanish-speaking apologists. We do intense 30-hour trainings. We've done three of them now, uh, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, and, uh, and Mexico, and where we train between 40 and 50 young people that, are, that have a passion for apologetics, and we train them how to launch apologetics ministries. And we are seeing some wonderful fruits from that. Wow. So we're, we're working diligently to change the fact that there's hardly anybody doing it. Mm. So. Well, the fields are, are ripe for harvest, right? I mean, it's, we are oh, in the final are. days. Yeah. Um, you know, when I my first thought when I read your book uh, was uh, Proverbs eighteen seventeen. This is what came to mind. And it says, the first one to plead his cause seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. I mean, doesn't that just shout for us to have a solid foundation in thinking uh, because we are going to be challenged. We are continually challenged on every front, especially with social media, on for what we believed and to give an answer for what we believe. Isn't, I think Proverbs eighteen seventeen is a critical thinking mandate, right? Um, and then there are some other verses out there too, like First Thessalonians five twenty one to 22, test the spirits, hold on to what is good. Acts seventeen eleven. search the scriptures. So God is a God who reasons, right? I mean, he says, come, let us reason together. So what are some of the other verses or things that come to mind for you where God is challenging us to be able to give an answer for the hope that is within us? Yeah, well, that, that Proverbs 18 passage is so powerful, so powerful, because that, that's the passage that really tells you, hey, you know, there's more to an argument than meets the eye. Mm-hmm. And, and people are often so unaware of, of, of those tools to be able to distinguish between what is a good argument and what is not. Mm-hmm. And I have a whole, I have two chapters in the Bible. And I mean, I'm sorry, I wish, no. <laughs> I have two chapters in the book that deal with the foundations of critical thinking, the biblical foundations of critical thinking. Uh, and, and I think one of the verses that I love is, is Job 12, 11. It says, does not the ear test words as the palate tastes its food? Ooh. And that, that verse is so powerful because it, it, it gives you the perfect analogy. It does. We should be testing our words the way our palate tests, tests food. Wow. When you put something in your mouth that's bitter or spoiled or not good, your palate immediately rejects it. You spit it out. We need to have our ears fine-tuned that way, that when we hear something that is not true, we should immediately be able to figure that out mm. and test it and spit it out. So we have a whole chapter on the biblical foundation of critical thinking, and I have a chapter of a case study, because if you read the book of Galatians, the letter of Paul to the Galatians, it is a case study in the the fact that the Galatian church did not employ critical thinking. And Paul just comes down on them and shows them, hey guys, what's going on here? He he challenges their, their naivety, 
their lack of critical thinking. And, the, and there's a whole chapter where I break that down and show you, here's what critical thinking looks like as the Apostle Paul teaches it to the Church uh, of the Galatians. Uh, so th- there's a strong biblical foundation. And Jesus, my goodness, Jesus is the master of critical thinking. Mm-hmm. I, have an, I have a chapter dedicated to that. The last chapter in the, book, in, in the book is Jesus, the master of critical thinking. And I go through the Gospels and show you all the types of arguments that Jesus used, logical arguments. Here's where he used the modus ponens and the modus tollens. Here's where he used, you know, he escaped the horns of a dilemma. And here's where he did. And, and I show you the verses. I, I give an explanation. And, and because sometimes Christians believe, oh, no, this is not for us. We shouldn't be worried about these kind of things. We're not, we're not supposed to be arguing. Uh, I beg to differ. Mm-hmm. I beg to differ. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and you want to persuade, you know, with all kindness and, you know, there's, there's ways to do it where people can see the Holy Spirit in us and not just see us, um, challenging them or whatever. There are ways that we can do that, that people that will be, you know, like honey, uh, from our lips and not, not uh, argumentative. Um, uh, towards the beginning, and we're going to go over a couple things here this, uh, today because you talk about challenge, challenges to critical thinking, principles of critical thinking, levels of critical thinking, and obstacles. And every one of those is very valuable point by point. Um, people say, and I just want to start with this because you also talk about Solomon chapter one of Proverbs. People say, well, there's not much in the Bible about raising kids. And I say, wait a minute. It's time to read Proverbs. It's all there. You know, what did Solomon know that we don't know? And he really literally answers the question of why we should study the Bible in chapter 1. What are some of the things that Solomon says that we should be getting and that we do get from Proverbs? What are some of those things that he talks about? Well, he tells us that we need to love wisdom mm-hmm. and we need to seek wisdom. And, and, and again, you're hearing it from somebody who sought wisdom and the Lord gave him wisdom. Right. More than anybody of any of his contemporaries. People would come from all over the world to hear him speak and talk and, and, and reason with them and explain things to them. And he's, and he's encouraging parents, and he's encouraging young people, and he's encouraging, apparently it's dedicated to one of his sons, or, or maybe to various of them, and he's telling them, look, my son, do not reject wisdom. Do not despise it. Seek it. It's more valuable to you than gold. And, and really, when you stop to think about what's wisdom, when you compare wisdom with knowledge, there's a big difference. Knowledge is, is acquiring information. Wisdom is the ability to think critically with the information you've acquired. Right. You know, knowledge is, is knowing that it's raining outside. Yes, you know, right. wisdom is knowing that you should probably use an umbrella <laughs> to help you shield you from the, from the rain. Right. That, that's applying, you know, your, your, your thinking, your critical thinking abilities to the knowledge you have acquired. And, and he's telling, his, he's, he's advising parents and, and, and young people everywhere, look, acquiring knowledge is good, but you need the wisdom. You need to know what to do with that knowledge. You need to know how to correctly interpret and handle the different situations that come up in life. Yes. And the whole book is just advice after advice of applying critical thinking. There's a whole section where he applies critical thinking. He says, my son, when you see that, that lady on the corner, you know, do not. Do not mm-hmm. be caught up in her eyes, her looks, her stares, her invitation. You know, think critically, evaluate this. This is not going to work. Think about this before. And critical thinking is not only to evaluate ideas, it's to help us make good decisions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because we evaluate options and alternatives and we make better decisions when we think critically about things. Right. 
Right, and you quote Proverbs 1 here, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That's the best thing about Proverbs. It says, this is a wise man and this is a fool. And he lays it out pretty plainly, and every once in a while, you know, the Lord hits you between the eyes, and you're thinking, wow, I don't ever want to be the fool, right? The contrast is so sharp yes. throughout the whole letter. Right. The, the, whole, the whole book. It's just contrast after contrast, and that's part of, of the Hebrew parallelism that you find in Hebrew poetry. You know, and, and, and so he, he uses it masterfully yes. in that book. Yes, he really, really does. And it's great for parents. Proverbs, I can't, uh, uh, overstate the value of Proverbs in raising your kids. So there is, there is a book in the Bible on child rearing. <laughs> uh, Juan, let's go over some of these. You, you list nine things, challenges to critical thinking. Um, and, you know, we're flawed sinners, okay? So right away there's a challenge because the human mind, can be a minefield of self-talk and pragmatism. You know, an atheist can easily convince themselves that if they don't see something, therefore it doesn't exist. They build their whole life around that. You know, people convince themselves they're the, the wrong they're the wrong gender. I mean, look how powerful the mind is. We see this every day. And I want to I want to ask you one thing first before we dive into these nine. Do you think um, a loss of critical thinking skills? goes along with a loss of command of language. Because, you know, language has been dumbed down over the years. No one seems to care about the fact that words have meaning. You know, you, if you read theology books or even fiction from a 100 years ago, it sounds like a foreign language. And, you know, now we're slang-ridden, cliche-ridden. You know, help us to understand the need here to even have a grasp on our native tongue, of which, of course, I only have one, but you have more than one. But what's the need to really pay attention to language before we even dive in here? Well, w- words, like you said, have meaning. Words are important. Uh, you, you can uh, arbitrarily uh, define words however you choose to define mm-hmm. them. Right. Words have meaning. And, 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 and what we're seeing in our culture is that everybody, everybody can assign whatever meaning they want to whatever word they want. Yeah. And, and we're supposed to be okay with it. Yeah. And, and, and there's no greater confusion than, or example of confusion than asking somebody, what is a woman? Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, okay, so whose definition are we going to go by? Mm -hmm. So-and-so defines it this way, and -and so-and-so defines it that way. And you have to take a step back and say, wait a minute, wait Mm -hmm. a minute. Mm -hmm. What if so-and-so was never born? Do we, would would we not know what a woman is? Yes. Of course we do. Right. There's objective fact, and then there's opinion. Mm -hmm. And people just blur those lines. Most people today deny even objectivity. Mm Mm-hmm. They deny that anything's objective, that truth is objective, that morality is objective, nothing's objective. Well, we we to... want to live in a world where we decide, where we become God. We decide what is right and what is wrong, what is true and what is false, and nobody can tell us otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it sounds like a, a wonderful world until you see the effects of it and the results of it. Right. Right. Very strange world we're living in indeed. So these nine principles of critical thinking, number one, seek clarity. And dealing with people and expecting clarity of mind is not necessarily always reasonable in communications, right? So how do we seek clarity when it comes to critical thinking? Well, here's the deal with clarity, the the issue with clarity. People, it's a big challenge. Communication is a challenge. And and, and anyone who works in communication understands this. There's something in your mind, and you want to communicate that, through language to somebody else and put whatever ideas in your mind, you want to put it in their mind. And they want to put what's in their mind in yours. 
but rarely, rarely are we successful in communicating mm-hmm. because we just we speak past each other we don't understand each other we speak vaguely uh we we're humans are not good communicators they've become very poor at communicating mm-hmm. for the same reasons you mentioned previously i mean we we've stopped valuing language and and rhetoric and synthesis and, you know we we're just we're not paying attention to semantics and and so we've lost that ability to communicate what is it about good literature that really excites us when we read something that's well written I mean, when I read something well-written, what excites me is the precision of the words and the meaning they convey, and where there's no extra words and no, you know, nothing missing, you just have a perfect expression of what you want to communicate. But we don't see that in everyday discourse, and so people talk past each other. When, mm-hmm. I, when I engage with somebody on a college campus and we start talking about these issues, my first priority is to seek clarity because somebody will say, well, I don't believe in God. And what does a typical Christian do? Jump up and start giving all the arguments with God why God exists, if we know any. That's not the first step. The first, my first step question is, what do you mean by God? Hmm. What's your understanding of God? Mm-hmm. Please clarify for mm-hmm. me. Because well, your yeah. concept of God and my concept of God, I'm pretty sure, are, are different. Yeah. So when I'm talking to you about God, and you're talking to me about God, we're talking about two different people. Hmm. Yeah. So let's let's clarify this. What do you mean by God? What do you mean by science? What do you mean by faith? You know, these questions come up, and, 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 and then you have to be able to probe and seek clarity, or you're just going to speak past each other. There's some key questions, like, what do you mean by that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by this or that? And then, you know, there's a great book that I recommend to people that are that do evangelism and do, you know, engage with our culture and it's a book by a friend of mine named greg coco it's called tactics that book is just phenomenal because he the whole book is about how to have a conversation with a non-believer and he has all these questions that you can ask and how questions are a wonderful way to manage a conversation and keep your hands on the steering wheel and not give up yeah. The direction or the control of the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the key questions is, what do you mean by that? Right. And, you know, if, and, and, and then just let them talk. Could you elaborate further? That's another good question mm-hmm. I suggest in the book. Or could you give me an example? Because I'm not quite understanding what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Or why do you say that? All of these are questions that seek clarity. And the more clarity you get from somebody, the better you're able to engage with what they really think and believe. Mm. Yeah, drawing out, drawing out from people. And that's a great approach because if someone has challenged you, the ball is really in their court to explain what they mean by challenging you so that you can answer accurately. So that's excellent. You're listening to Stand Up For The Truth today. My name is Mary Danielson. We're talking to Juan Valdez about critical thinking. And uh, it's just been a, a very interesting conversation so far. And we have a lot more to go because um, uh, step two, principle of critical thinking. Number two, strive for accuracy. Wow. I mean, how many social media stories are vague? They cannot possibly be accurate. Anything that is clickbait, you know, is probably filled with inaccuracies and downright lies. You know, if you share this item, God will give you whatever you desire. I mean, it just gets to be kind of silly from time to time. Um, but, you know, uh, you say that having erroneous information to start with leads to faulty conclusions. So how can we strive for accuracy with all the junk out there that people are taking in? And that, that's another huge one because uh, people uh, inaccuracy is the way people get around the truth. It's the way people get mm. you to believe what they want you to believe. 
because th- there's just enough information in there to make it sound like it's like it's true, like it's accurate, but there's just not enough there to make that kind of assertion. You know, where I see this the most, Mary, is is online. The the chains of emails that people circulate, the the the, the fake news that is constantly going around because what is being promoted is inaccurate. You know, we have fact checkers and then we need, you know, fact checkers for the fact checkers. Like who's checking the fact the fact checkers? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just, this is crazy. It's crazy. You know, some of the stories, like the, the, the story of the scientists found hell somewhere up in northern Russia and by digging into the ground, I don't know how many kilometers. Right. That has been circulating, circulating, you know, media since the 70s. I mean, that you're talking about, and it's not true. It's simply not true. I know of a church that uses those supposed recordings in 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 a and in, in a Halloween type event to scare people into hey this is what hell sounds like you don't want to go there and why would you use something that's not true mm-hmm. to 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 promote something that you want to get across the people the whole idea that, that you know Microsoft or any organization is going to donate a dollar to everybody you forward an email to or all, all of this craziness and 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 that what makes it specifically vulnerable is that we don't even question the accuracy of what is given to us. If we just took a step back and questioned it and asked ourselves, okay, is this really true? Is blank really true? Whatever that blank is, where can I verify the accuracy of this claim? And, and how, how did you establish this fact? Mm-hmm. Just get get people to, to prove what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Don't let them shoot from the hip and get away with it. Right. We, we, we get that all the time. Wow. And it's just a sign that somebody is either purposely deceiving you or they themselves are deceived and have no idea what 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 is really true and accurate wow yes indeed you know there are hoaxes there are urban legends there's everything under the sun and it will come around again i'm amazed that things from 2018 are coming around and people and so you have a whole new group of people who weren't online then who are online now and, yeah. and they're they're falling for it all over again, and you kind of just makes you want to roll your eyes because you, there's not enough energy. Here we go again, right? There's not enough energy that you or I have or anyone has to actually continue to do this. But you know, there's a concern of bearing false witness, and I, I really think this Christians need to take that seriously. Bearing false witness through what they post, because you can lead people astray, you can lead people to think something is true that it absolutely is not true, and I think we can be a lot more careful than we are with online yeah, postings. I think Yep. I agree with you. We're, we are the culprits sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I see Christians mm-hmm. post stuff that is just not true because they haven't fact-checked it. They mm-hmm. get something and they pass it on as, listen, when you pass something on as a Christian, you're giving a bad witness if that's not true. Right. Absolutely. And, I, and I've said this online in the past, too, and I think people think, people say, oh, that's an overreaction. No, it isn't, because bearing false witness is is a sin. We're breaking a commandment. And I think oh, it's so hard to even balance how much time to spend on social media because you're taking in lies, you're potentially spreading lies. Um, I think people are really wrestling because social media has gotten to be filled with a lot of things you don't even want to set your eyes on, right? I mean, it, there's just a lot of things in there. At what point At what point do you think it's reasonable to say, we're going to be done with this because it's not really helping the cause of the kingdom? At what point should we maybe not be doing a lot of that anymore? I don't. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it could be a tremendously helpful tool 
and a lot of amazing things are being mm-hmm. done for the kingdom yes, through social absolutely. media. But 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 we need to. Do, I think we just need to be critical thinkers. We need yeah. to be able to know what, how to question things, how to be a a, a, do, a, a good dose of skepticism yeah. goes a long way. It really does. You know, yeah. Let, let's not believe everything we read, and let's not let's question things. Let's. Let's try to be accurate and let's try to be clear in our communication and demand that of those with whom we engage. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, social media certainly has its place. There's, there are a lot of opportunities uh, to spread the gospel and to minister to people, equip people through social media and through radio like this and what you guys are doing with an app. Um, plenty of opportunities for that. So we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Uh, this is Stand Up for the Truth. We are talking to Juan Valdez today, and he has a book called How to Think. A Crash Course in Critical Thinking. And what we're going through today, uh, he has principles of critical thinking, challenges to critical thinking, levels of critical thinking, and obstacles, too. So there's plenty more to talk about. Um, we've only made it through a, a few of those so far. But we're going to come back to the next one, which is Pursue Precision. Um, and it has to do with appealing to the emotions and such as we sort all these things out. So again, Stand Up For The Truth, my name is Mary Danielson, and we will be back shortly with part two of our podcast with Juan Valdez of Reasons For Hope Ministry. Be right back. And keep in mind that we appreciate your feedback, <clears throat> pardon me, feedback, email, comments at standupforthetruth.com. Comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Lots of resources at that blog at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Our social media pages are shadow banned. Thanks for your prayers and sharing our posts at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth for July 21st. We are so enjoying talking to our guest Juan Valdez today about the challenges uh, and the principles and the obstacles to critical thinking when it comes to us human beings. But we want to become mature in many, many ways in the faith, and one of them is to become a mature thinker. So we only made it to number three on his nine principles of critical thinking. Number three is pursue precision. Juan, this one drives me absolutely crazy. As people read a sentence or listen to an online news service, whatever, they believe every word because it directs them to feel a certain way and it really leaves out any opportunity to prove anything, to get context, you know, don't bother me with the facts. Um, you know, but when you're vague, misdirection results. Or how about this? Most scientists agree, four out of five dentists, you know, which scientists? How many does that include? So how how can we pursue precision in our communications so that everybody understands what's going on? It's a real challenge. It really, really is a challenge. Uh, people, people uh, weaponize uh, vagueness. Mm. If, if you if, if you follow me, there, there's terms that are purposely vague, and people weaponize those terms to try to get us to believe things that we're not. We're not even. You know, we we, we shouldn't be thinking or believing, or we we should be questioning, but we we're not trained to look at things that way. We're not trained to consider things that way. And I, when I teach critical thinking, I, I purposely put on slides on my presentation where I show people the imprecision in textbooks. And so when they, when, when they see it, you see it like a light bulb turns on. Like I'll show them a, a, a quote out of a life science Prentice Hall textbook, science book, 
And, and the quote or, or says, paleontologists think that Archaeopteryx and today's birds descended from some kind of reptile, possibly even from a dinosaur. Hmm. And they show you a picture of Archaeopteryx, and like, wow, I didn't know that, that, you know, dinosaurs descended from birds. And, and, but then when I, I take a step back and I say, okay, let's think about this. What are the precision words here? Okay? Paleontologists think that. Archaeopteryx, some kind of reptile, possibly a dinosaur. When you start looking at all these words, nothing has been communicated. Mm. Nothing has been said <laughs> that is of any kind of, uh, that, that you can say, oh, wow, that's really true. Richard Dawkins, my favorite atheist, he's the worst at this. Like, he, he, he has weaponized vagueness to, to, to the nth degree. Like, in, in a famous quote that he says about maybe aliens being the designers of life, you, it's one vague word after another. Wow. It, uh, listen to this quick quote. I know we're, we're running time, but it could be, he says, quote, that at some earlier time, who knows when, right? Somewhere in the universe, how vague is that? A civilization evolved probably by some kind of Darwinian means, probably to a high level of technology. Perhaps they seeded life on this planet. I suppose it's possible that you might find, you might find some sort of, and on and on. It's like, dude, why are you writing this if you don't, you, you have nothing? <laughs> it's all one big, yeah. I suppose, and maybe it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. That but, kind of language confuses people when you're not looking for it. When you don't, when you don't know to look for that, you read something and you read it as if it's fact when it is not fact. Mm -hmm. And isn't evolution and that whole science, so-called, the most misguided, misdirected. People say, well, just follow the science. Okay, so you're going to follow a hundred and, what, a hundred and a fifty-five, sixty-year-old science on something that is a religion, basically. And so they will lean on a hundred and fifty-year-old science when actually today they would never do that with any other subject. You wouldn't go to a doctor who had a hundred and fifty-year-old information. But instead, it is the most misdirected nonsense when you, when you, Listen to creationists; um, they they just—it's easy to blast through all that stuff, right? I mean, how you'd think people would see this, but they do not. But I love your connection with the evolution um, when it comes to lies and and just an inability to completely even understand what they're saying. So that's fantastic. Um, number four: demand consistency. And that kind of means don't pick and choose when to apply truth. I mean, Genesis is a perfect example of that. Speaking of creation, you know, if Genesis is not true, just skip the rest of the Bible, right? Because then none of it is true. So how can we demand consistency when we're thinking and talking to people? Well, the, the, the greatest challenge of consistency is that people don't realize that they are being inconsistent. Hmm. And when you point it out, again, you see a light bulb. You see the, the gears grinding in the head. You, uh, the, that moment of confusion, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, what, what just happened? You know, it, it is, I give an example in the book that is so common, because that, and that's why I give it. It's just, I, I think everybody who's done evangelism has heard this. Somebody will say, well, it's wrong for you to tell people that they're wrong. Everybody has a right to do as they please. And then when you point out to the person, you read the inconsistency, you, you do realize that you're telling me that I'm wrong, but you're telling me that it is wrong to tell people they're wrong. You're telling, when everybody, you're telling everybody has a right to do as they please, but you're telling me that I don't have a right to speak about what I believe. 
So how, how is that consistent? What you're saying and what you're doing are contradictory. Mm-hmm. And you see people's eyes go like, huh? What? Like, mm-hmm. what? Can you say that again? <laughs> mm-hmm. it, it's just, it just stop and take a, take a minute. Think about what you're saying and what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Social media. You, you yeah. have to be able to be consistent. And 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 again, another another application of inconsistency is is like you said, is picking and choosing when we're going to apply what we believe and when we're not going to apply what we believe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in social media too, people will say, uh, "You're judging me." Well, you're judging me for judging you, so the hypocrisy just jumps out immediately. And people misapply scripture, or maybe they don't know the Lord at all, and so they just think everything is judging. But is is that another way that people are inconsistent, or how, where would that fit into this uh, critical thinking process? Well, that, that's exactly it. That's that's another example of an inconsistency. It's calling you intolerant. Yeah. You know, wait wait a minute. You, you're calling me intolerant, and you're telling me that we should be tolerant of everybody. Are you being tolerant of me? Yeah. It sounds like to me, it sounds like to me, the biggest problem is that people are not actually listening. Mm. They're just parroting. Okay, let me make sure I heard you correctly. You just said X. Did you say that? Mm. And so uh, I just wanted to throw that comment. It's just really the problem is people are not listening. Right. They're thinking about what they're going to say. Yeah. Yeah. And when you're a critical thinker, you're supposed to be listening. And you're supposed to pick up on these things. When somebody says there is no objective truth. I always follow up with a question. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, right. There's no absolute truth, and I'm absolutely positive there's no absolute because truth. Because the questions are what get people to think. Mm-hmm. Statements will get people to think. The questions, you got to make them think. Mm-hmm. Did I hear you say this? But, mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And, we, and what we're trained to, we're not trained to do this. And what we do by default is respond to the attack. Yeah. I'm not intolerant. I'm not. Uh, stop. Before you even go there. Yeah. Do you are is does it make any sense for you to call me intolerant when you're being intolerant of me? Yeah. Yeah. Just, if we take a step back and evaluate what's happening before we engage in any kind of argumentation, a lot of times we can dismantle an argument before without even having to having to argue. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully people aren't going to slam the door shut because I've already tried to share my faith with family members. And, and the whole idea is pointing them to God's word because that does the work. God does the heavy lifting. It's not me they have a problem with. It's God's word. And yet, then all of a sudden halfway through, they'll say, well, I don't believe that's the word of God. So here's my stone wall. Here's my, you know, my, I just slammed the door in your face. Now you have a whole different approach if they even are listening anymore. And so people will, if they're uncomfortable, if they're convicted, and they have a problem with what God says, they will find a way to shut you up, <laughs> right? Yep, yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Wow. Absolutely. They did it to the Lord. Yes. They're definitely going to do it to us. Yes, absolutely, too. Uh, number five, use logic when arguing a point. So are we talking about if this, then that, that kind of logic? Uh, and what's a non sequitur? Could you explain what that is? And I think that'll help people understand what is logical and what is not. Yeah, I, I think we have to insist that arguments make logical sense. And I have a whole section in the book that teaches basic argumentation and logic so that people can learn how to build good arguments and how to refute bad arguments. We need some training in that. So I have a few chapters in the book on that. But basically, a non-sequitur is a great example of how people are not logical. A non-sequitur simply means that somebody has reached a conclusion without having any real support for that conclusion. You cannot reach a conclusion unless you have support for that conclusion. Mm -hmm. I'll give you a classic example of that. 
uh, you know, Penn Jillette and they're in, in his show on Penn and Teller, which is a horrible show and very vulgar and, uh, and, and, and everything else you want to say, but he is, he's a master of non sequiturs. He, he, he presents an argument where he says that, you know, the, the, he's arguing against Noah's flood, right? So he says, okay, so there was a flood of the Euphrates River in the 2900 BC. And he gives you some details about the flood. And then he says, a man survived by commandeering a barge and riding it down the river. And then he gives you some details about that. And what is his conclusion from those two premises? Noah's flood never happened. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What, how did you? That's a, that's a leap and a jump. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. That's like saying there was a local flood of the Euphrates River. A man survived by commandeering the barge. Therefore, my dog's name is Rover. <laughs> you know, that, that's the kind of disconnect between yeah. that conclusion and those facts. Yes, there was a flood of the Euphrates River. I'm not going to argue against that. And somebody survived on a boat? Hey, good deal. Now, how does that, how does that in any way negate mm-hmm. that another flood story took place that is totally different in a different time in a different place? Wow. It doesn't. Wow. That's... that's the kind of arguments that we get all the time. And unless you're looking for it and you're demanding that an argument make logical sense, They'll pass, and then somebody will listen to this and say, wow, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah. No, it doesn't. Well, and once you know what a non sequitur is, you will hear them all the time in the news media, and they open up with two things that may be true. So they've sucked you in already. They've said, well, these, the first two things I said are true. So you need to, you need to understand that I'm on a roll here and that the last conclusion I make is also true. And so it is really, um, a smoke and mirrors kind of look over here kind of thing, and it's just enough to make your head explode. Yeah, I, I give several examples in the book, and then uh, I have a chapter on fallacies. And in the chapter on fallacies, I, I hit the non sequitur as a fallacy among, and I, I mean, I have over 40 fallacies that we deal with in the back of the book in two chapters. Mm. And and one of them is a non sequitur. I'll give you examples of how people use it, real life examples of mm-hmm. how people use it. And how to how to how to figure it out that it's being that, that this is not follow, and then how to refute it. Yes, yeah, right, exactly. That's fantastic because we're only hitting certain points of the book, and in order to get the full picture of the book, again, it is called "How to Think: A Crash Course in Critical Thinking." We're talking to Juan Valdez, and I want to go to. I mean, we could spend an hour on each of these, but uh, number six, I got a real kick out of that. Keep the discourse relevant, and you say baloney detection is an art. A finely tuned baloney detector is invaluable when engaging in a discussion or debate. In other words, clean your baloney filter. And what are some of the things that send our baloney index to new heights? I can tell you right off the bat is watching political discourse or debates or even a press conference, dodging questions, distracting people, going off on tangents when people can't keep the thought flowing and something connects with them and they go off in another direction. So how do we keep our baloney meter from going into the red? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I laughed at, uh, at one of our communications where you mentioned that your baloney detector is constantly clogged. Yes. I love that expression. That'll make, my, that'll make it into the third edition if I ever do a third edition. We have to keep our, our baloney detectors from getting clogged yes. because it is so much. But, but he, he, here's the, the two sides of that coin. You know, we need to be able to detect when somebody is changing the subject Mm. Going off off topic because mm-hmm. the whole point is to keep the discourse relevant. That's the principle. Right. 
And the baloney is the irrelevant stuff that has nothing to do with the argument you're making. Mm-hmm. And in, in debates, it happens all the time. In the abortion debate, it happens all the time. Yeah. People will give you side issues that are not the main point of the debate and try to get you to follow those you know, bunny, bunny trails, yes. which we're going to keep you from discussing what's the real point of the argument. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so I've heard people, all kinds of, 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 of red herring fallacies, what you call it, is the introduction of something that has nothing to do with the argument in the debate industry. For example, I think abortion should be allowed, and you'll say, because how many hungry and starving children are out there already? We don't want any more suffering children. Yeah, wow. And it's like, okay, yeah, there are children out there that are suffering, and there are children that are starving, I understand, but what does that have to do with the abortion yeah. debate? Right, right, right. The abortion debate is whether that is a real person in that mother's womb, and if she has a right to end that person's life. Mm-hmm. Let's focus on that. We can talk about world hunger another day, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the topic is not world hunger. The, well, the topic is, is that a person? Yes. And do we have the right to end that person's life? That's a perfect and so example. Keeping the discourse relevant. I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's a perfect example of how this takes place. I mean, people, and you have to say to people, no, 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 that's not the subject. Answer me according to, let's stick with the subject. That's a great example. Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah it, it's a common problem. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, 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 it, and it, there's two sides to that coin. Sometimes we as Christians, we're the ones that throw baloney into all of our arguments. And, and guess what? You know, this generation of young people has very highly tuned baloney detectors. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. they, they can detect it. And we have to be very careful that what we do is relevant, on point, yeah. and true. Yeah. Consistently. Yes, absolutely. Um, let's, we want to get all nine in here. So we're going to keep moving. We're not doing it justice. I also want to throw in ideological and political allegiances because critical thinking is abandoned in politics because people are so, um, you know, it, because it goes along party lines. And ide- more than ever, ideological lines today, left and right, they're, they're very clearly defined. So people will come down on a certain time. But sometimes critical thinking is really the victim here. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that in there because poli- political allegiances often cause us to abandon our thoughts. But number seven, I digress. I'm sorry. See, I'm doing the very thing we're not supposed to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> no worries. There's a whole chapter on obstacles to critical okay, thinking. Yes, yes. And that's one of the obstacles, for sure, yes. that I have in the in the book. Yes, absolutely. And I'm looking at that one as page 100. So, uh, number seven, explore the depths. All right. The church today is really not often equipped to go beyond the shallow end of the pool because they've left off teaching the Bible because it might offend, it might be boring. But But one, eschatology, the Trinity, evolution, creation, apologetics, People don't seem to want to take the time. There's work involved to be an apologist for these things. It takes time to understand. Study to show yourself approved. How can the church do a better job at exploring the depths so they can be critical thinkers? I think we need to, we need to, one of the things we need to do is go back and, and learn our theology. Mm. We, we have to become deep thinkers about theological truth in Scripture. A lot of the attacks on Christianity are theological in nature. People attack the Trinity all the time as an inconsistency, as an impossibility. Three gods equal one God. That's obviously a contradiction, even though that's not what the Bible says. But if we don't know any better, you know, we can fall for these arguments. And one of the biggest challenges for me has been in this exploring the depths is we need to explore the depths. We need to know what the Bible teaches. But when you're engaging with an atheist on the topic of the Trinity, 
You're engaging with somebody who has zero knowledge of theology, zero knowledge of the Bible, zero studies at, at, at any, any kind of depth in these topics. So where do you begin? Where do you begin? It's almost like we have to go through, okay, let's go through a three-year basic Bible learning program, and then we'll come back to this question. Mm. But you can't, obviously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we need to be able to at least articulate in the easiest way possible, in the, in the easiest terms possible, look, there's more to this than meets the eye. Yeah. Yeah. What you're condemning as, uh, as a doctrine that's, that's contradictory is not what the Bible teaches about the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And atheists attack that all the time. Mm-hmm. And, other, and other theological topics. Evolution is another area where we need to go deeper into it. We Christians, sometimes we throw... We, 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 are not, we are the superficial ones sometimes. I've heard so many bad arguments against evolution from Christians <laughs> that make me, you know, they make, they make me shiver, like, oh my goodness, please don't use that. Yeah, stop it. You know, <laughs> the, the, here's the classic Christian argument. Well, if evolution is true, how come we still have monkeys? Oh, gee. I'm like, please don't use that. All you are showing the world is that you have no idea what evolution teaches. Yeah. If we're going to debunk evolution, we need to know what it teaches. Well, and atheists spend all their time thinking about a God they don't even believe in. And and that's my first challenge to them. Why do you even care? This makes no sense. Why would they care about the Trinity? Because they don't believe in God anyway. So we have a logic problem from the beginning when it comes to atheism. I mean, uh, you know, the devil's not an atheist for Pete's sakes. It just becomes, it's it's just rebellion against God. That's all it is with a fancy name. (laughs) And why are you obsessing about it? Right. There's something going on in your soul. Yes. 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 They're going to hell. Um, so that, okay. So everyone needs to study, study, sorry, study to show thyself approved. The Bible is clear about that. Spend your time studying. Number eight, consider the breadth. What does that mean? You know, we have the depths. What now we have the breadth. What does that mean? What, what does the opposition believe? Is that the general idea? I'm going to ask you a rhetorical question that I know the answer to, but have you ever been accused of being narrow minded? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we oh, yeah. have all been accused of being narrow-minded yeah. but what it we're really being accused of is is failure to consider all the relevant points of view or other relevant points of view and so to considering the breadth is to take a, a step back and evaluate the breadth of an issue and attempt to to understand what are the different views that are out there about this topic and understand them the broader we look at a topic, the more we are able to see and understand where everybody's coming from. Mm-hmm. And by the way, it, it, that, that only strengthens your position, because at all of this, we have to understand, we come at it from the truth. Right. And right. so when you have the truth, there's nothing to be afraid of. The better I understand the views of an opposing side, the better I can support my arguments. Mm-hmm. And if I fail to understand the other side then my arguments are going to be weak. They're going to misrepresent mm-hmm. the opposing view, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be persuasive. Mm-hmm. To be persuasive, I have to say, hey, I know what you believe. Yeah. This is what you believe. You believe A, B, C, and D. Am I right? Yeah. Yes, you're yeah. right. Okay, yeah, that's exactly. Okay, let me show you what the problem is. Mm. That's, that is yeah. far more effective than A. You believe B. Who yeah. said that? I've never said that. Yeah. That's not what I believe. Yeah. And I remember when the emergency... we haven't... Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when the emergent church was in full bloom, I read many books by those authors so that I could actually know that I knew what they believed. Because they will say, well, you didn't read this or you don't know that. Well, I don't want to be accused of that. Um, so it's good. It's good to know what um, 
other others believe. It's really really good to know that. That's that's part of apologetics. Finally, we have number nine. We're get, we're we're getting ready to close up here. We only have a few minutes. I wish we had another hour. Focus on the significant. Number nine. Uh, no sidetracks, right? Focus on the main thing. How can you? How can we unpack that in a minute or two? I think we need to when when whatever topic we're discussing, we need to ask ourselves. Okay, what is the fundamental issue here? Mm-hmm. We talked about abortion a minute ago. What is the fundamental issue in the abortion debate? Is it a person in the womb? Mm-hmm. Personhood. Mm-hmm. Anything else is not as significant. There are many other issues to be discussed, but focus on the significant. Mm. When we're talking about creation, evolution, or we're talking about the evolution, what is the most significant issue with evolution? Is what we see in the world random, or is it designed? Mm. That's the key issue when discussing evolution. There, so for every issue that we debate or engage with, with a culture, we need to know what the fundamental points are. Because if not, we can spend an eternity talking about peripheral issues, peripheral issues, and never really persuading anybody of truth. Yeah, very, very important. Oh, we're talking to Juan Valdez. Like I said, we, we really need another hour at least. His book, How to Think, A Crash Course in Critical Thinking. It is loaded. We only got to the first, I don't know, 25% of the book. He's got um, challenges to critical thinking principles of critical thinking, levels of critical thinking, and obstacles to critical thinking. And then in the back, you start talking about deductive reasoning and philosophy and where that fits in. <coughs> it's just loaded, one. I mean, uh, this has been fantastic. Uh, rhetoric, I mean, that's in there, too. Uh, and especially with philosophy, the Bible speaks of vain philosophies, and I think Christians shy away from that, but they don't take the time to see the value in understanding philosophy and how it fits in with critical thinking. Do you have any final thoughts for us today, Juan? Well, on the book, I mean, I think the book is, is a must. Parents, you need to read this to be able to engage with your kids. You need to get your kids copies of these. If they're going to engage with the world at any point, you know, they need to be critical thinkers. So I highly recommend the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, trust me, we're not booksellers. We're not in the business of selling books. Mm-hmm. We are. This is a tool that we have put out there because right. we want to help Christian families be able to stand up boldly for what they believe. I have a chapter in the book, chapter 16. It's called How to Slay Flying Spaghetti Monsters <laughs> and Other Imaginary Beasts. And what I do there is I engage with the arguments of Richard Dawkins. Mm. I engage with the arguments of Lawrence Krauss, of Bart Ehrman, of Dan Barker, all of these anti-Christian militant, militant preachers that are preaching against God's Word, against the truth, and we need to know how to respond. I engage with their arguments. I show you how to apply everything you learned in the book. Here's how it looks like when you're responding to these people that are attacking wow. the faith. Juan, thank you so I, much. Oh, It's a must. Thank you so much. It is a must. And people can use this tool. We appreciate you. And the ministry Reasons for Hope, R4H.com. That's R-F-O-R-H.com. Download the app. Uh, thank you so much. We, we, it's just been a wonderful hour. Check up, check out standupforthetruth.com. We have a schedule of guests. We have gear, uh, shirts, mugs, hats, um, at Red Pill Prints. We have a, a list of past and future guests and more. Uh, next week, Curtis Bowers, John Leffler, J.B. Hickson. Just a full slate. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Thank you for joining me.
See you next week.